Hello, and welcome into another episode of Popcorn for Breakfast. We have a jam-packed show for you today. We will be reviewing Netflix's new movie starring Charlize Theron, The Old Guard. We are going to get you all caught up on two weeks of movie news in What's Poppin', and we will wrap up the show with our schoolyard pick of signature movie weapons. Let's do it. for joining us on another episode of Popcorn for Breakfast with your co-host, Kirk. Hello, hello. I am your other co-host, Cam. It has been a whopping two weeks since our last episode. This time last week, we were actually in the studio on marathon mode. Mm -hmm. We were recording a song, It Took Forever, about Hamilton. Was that last week? No, two weeks. Okay. Did I say last week? I don't know. I just meant last time. Oh, last time. Last time. So two weeks ago, we were here, our eyes bloodshot. Yes. Our knees weak. Our our palms were sweaty. <laughs> <laughs> I remember go, there was some vomit. On, <laughs> vomit on, on my sweater, sweater already. In in July. It yes. was quite fascinating. I know. Um, to quote the great, great Marshall Mathers. Um but yes, different show today. It's a normal time of day. It's it's, it's the <laughs> evening, so that's good. Um, and a lot can happen in two weeks. We we have to at some point get back to weekly episodes. Yes. But in order for that to happen, the Rona has to end so that we have something to talk about every week. Right. And no one's going on their commute anymore, or very few people. Yeah. Yeah. Are. No. So you you don't have time to listen to us. And no. If you do, man, we love you. We do. We love you more than the we others. We love you, horde, horde. <laughs> yes, the for real skis. Um, cause, I mean, listens are down, but we understand that. I don't listen to as many podcasts for sure. For I, sure, I don't. I do, but I'm I'm an essential worker. And yeah, you're out there. I'm you're out still there doing. You're with, still doing the dang thing with my mask and my hand sanitizer, yeah. and I'm making the economy work. Just me. Yeah. Just you. Congrats and and thank you for your service. That's what I was looking for. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I um. I started taking a morning walk last week uh-huh. every day would take a morning walk. I think subliminally just so or subconsciously just so I could listen to podcasts because I needed that void in my life filled. Yeah. Um, it's been great. I mean, I haven't been able to do it much this week cause I keep staying up too late and sleeping in, but oh, yeah. you know, Hey, do you listen to podcasts while you like mow the lawn? Yeah. Okay. That's- yeah, I will. I mean, it's, it's interesting you ask that because podcasts are like, it has to be the right flavor of podcast for mowing the lawn. Like yeah. it can't be, it can't be like stuff you should know. It, it has to be like funny or just like high energy stuff. Like well, our podcast, like our for podcast. example, <laughs> <laughs> shameless plug. Um, other, either that, either that or it's music. Yeah. I can't do music because I don't have enough music in my life, like downloaded yeah. or space for, or 
enough Wi-Fi extensions or sure. to get that or data. So I, I have to do a podcast, download the podcast, delete. Uh, yeah, if it gets super hot, I got to go music because when it gets super hot, your lawn mowing becomes a workout. Yes. <laughs> and podcasts aren't cutting it for a workout, at least not for me. It's not happening. Yeah, I, I go through, I, I try to start uh, like strong, like I'm going to listen to like a leadership podcast. Yeah, sure. When I start. And then once like the 93 degree temp like actually hits, I'm like, all right, just whatever is left yeah. uh, that's automatically downloaded. Man, so. don't get me a self-help motivational <laughs> podcast. I'm telling you right now, that is a recipe for big time disaster. Yeah. My wife can see it coming from a thousand miles away. <laughs> I come home. <laughs> so last week on Monday, my morning walk, I started listening to the Gary V audio experience. Gary V is for those of you who don't know in the business world, he's like the guy when it comes to social media and promotions and things like that. And he's, he's a strong personality. So I was like, got to start listening to Gary V. I love Gary V. I came back in the house like a tornado, like the Tasmanian devil. I was knocking stuff out. Jackie was like, what's going on? It's like, my whole life has changed, Jackie. I've got a business plan. I know exactly. It's just like she rolls her eyes so hard. This like earlier this year, it was the happiness lab, which is a great podcast about true happiness and things like that. I, I need to stay away from it. I, I used to take it in small doses because I'm just like, I obsess. I felt like I had to start listening to a legit podcast because uh, right before, right at the beginning of COVID, right before the world shut down, I went to this uh, this men's conference and I sat at this table if we were eating dinner and they, I had like six dudes from the military. Three of them were retired. Three of them were active and like two and then two other guys that were just like normal guys like me. Right. Yeah. And they're like, hey, what podcast you guys listen to? I listen to this from from the this general. And I listen to this and it tells me how to build a car from scratch. Right. And I'm like, yeah, I really like Conan O'Brien. He's uh, <laughs> cracks me up, you know, and I'm like, what, why? I, I guess I need to conform a little bit, but mostly I'm not going to let go of those comedic and entertainment. I stuff. mean, people get different stuff out of different things. Like, yeah. like they use that as a source to provide that kind of entertainment in their life and you use it as something different i don't see anything wrong with that okay good i listen to a fair share of funny podcasts but i just like i change it up every once in a while i go through like there's a cycle of like comedy sports true crime self-help and i just Mm -hmm. like cycle through that every year until i'm like blue in the face and yeah then i stop listening for a while and i always circle back back to a movie review podcast because that's where that's where the that's where it is the most that you can get out of life is yeah i mean so much fulfillment I mean, most people talk, You like, if you listen to big people, they're like, man, I started listening to this movie review podcast and it really changed my life. So, um, yeah, I mean, I can't recommend it enough. If, if you have, if you know of a movie review podcast, you should probably listen to it. When you're at a party, what do you always get? What does everyone start to talk about? Oh, I saw that movie. Oh, I saw right? that TV show. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You don't start talking about big number money no, things. No, you don't Stocks. talk about, yeah, you don't talk about real things. It always comes back to entertainment and yep, art. That's right. So we're here for you. Anyway, <laughs> I don't even know what that bit just was, <laughs> but it was something. Um, two weeks is a long time. Long enough for Kanye West to announce his mm. presidential candidate bid and then drop out. Yeah. That all happened within two weeks. So that that's a thing. Pretty impressive. Um, we now have, so last week was the big Hamilton hype episode, or two weeks ago. Sorry, I keep saying last week. We now have Hamilton under our belt for nearly two weeks. We've had it for 12 days now. 
Um, so I want to talk about that because Hamilton, I mean, we've not been shy about our love for Hamilton. I think we've been the op, whatever the opposite of shy is. We've been very flamboyant about our love for Hamilton. We've been out there like we're, we like injected into our veins, Hamilton. Mm -hmm. That's what we talk about all the time. Um, so now we've had it for two weeks. We had our big song. We got hyped. I want to hear your reactions. Like how many times have you watched it? Mm -hmm. What was your reaction? I want the full scoop. Yeah, roughly uh, I've watched it 8,763 times. It's, impossible. It's I just did a, the math in my head. Impossible. It's been <laughs> it's I've done nothing else. Uh, <laughs> I didn't even watch the movie. You didn't even sleep that we were supposed to review today. Uh no, I I I watched it one full time. I watched Act 1 one night and Act 2 the next night. I had to split yeah. it unfortunately because I was um, going to visit my sister nearby. Sure. And I loved every second of it. I've I've watched it since. Um, I have not watched it in one sitting since because okay. I can't commit that much time for some reason. Yeah. But I keep turning it on. So w often we find ourselves like working at night. So we turn it on. We play like 30 minutes. We turn it off. Turn it yeah. Yeah. On, so. I mean, I think that's a, that's what this is. Yeah. In a lot of ways. Um, so I, I can, I can start with how many times I've seen it. So I've seen it all the way through in one sitting once. Yes. Okay. One time. Um, but then similar story. I've seen act one a couple of times. I've seen act two a couple of times. A lot of times I'll be upstairs working on something for the podcast. Come downstairs. My wife is watching it. Mm -hmm. um, I throw it on before bed. You know what I mean? Like it's just, it's uh it's great background noise. It's similar to turning on music, but then you also get the, the added the benefit. visual. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's been, it's been good for that. And that's exactly what I wanted it to be. To be honest with you, I wanted it to be something that I could just like, flip on and enjoy for a bit, but not have to sit and watch the whole thing. Yeah. A lot of the time, actually mo every night, actually my wife needs something silly to go to sleep with. And then sure. I turn it off when she falls asleep five seconds in. So we turn on the office every night before she goes to bed. But way before that, it's like, we just need something while we try to pick something. It's always Hamilton. So yeah. Yeah. Nice and easy. Yeah, for sure. Um, so let's talk about like the quality of the event. Let's put our, let's put our critic hat on. Let's talk about, what we think we don't have to review it but basically did you get what you thought you were going to get was it more was mm -hmm. it less what was your reaction it completely exceeded my expectations okay okay i knew that i was going to love it i knew that i was going to be excited for the the original cast there was a little bit of is it going to be as good is it going to be just just a tad not a lot yeah yeah that's that's fair i think that's a i think that's a realistic sort of apprehension but i was blown away by the care that they took so we know sure. their performances through the cast album but yep. how different it was to see how they changed since the cast album to that time was indescribable it, it was yeah. so impressive to see how lin-manuel um just carved out that character how incredible leslie odom jr was i think leslie odom jr was the one that i was most surprised by because yeah. it just felt like it felt like a much more unleashed performance sure, than yeah. what you get on the cast album. And in some ways, like the cast album sounds a little tighter in terms of his vocals, but the personality that comes through in this was better. Yeah. So yeah, I get what you're saying, but you yeah. can go on. No, you're good. I'm, I'm just talking so much. I apologize. No, you're good. I, it, it totally shows you why he won the Tony. Yeah. I mean, for you sure. Know? I wish they could have handed it to both of them because their 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 duality their their play on each other their build on each other's characters is just infused. it's it's gorgeous i mean the whole you know once you listen to the show a few times through and you understand the intricacy 
and um, and and what a an in depth character foil Lin Manuel has come up with with Aaron Burr and Alexander Hamilton and how well it works together mm-hmm. and the level of detail that he gets to, uh, it's pretty remarkable. And so then to see you know to your point to see this performance, um, when the cast has sort of matured together because Leslie yes. Odom didn't have. Did he have any Broadway experience prior to this? He did. He didn't. He, he didn't have much. I know his. He had a vocal career, but wasn't much of an actor prior to this. So I think yeah, it was all operatic. Yeah, yeah operatic. Right. <laughs> right. Um, I have one qualm. Oh sure. And I don't understand this choice in the okay, musical. It's, okay. It drives me crazy. Um, Mariah Reynolds' husband. Yes. Why is he dressed like a cowboy from the 1960s? Like it, it, yeah, from it's the West, interesting. Or 1800s, whatever. It reminds me of um, if you've seen Wicked Live, the have another drink. It's like it's like almost the same character design in a lot of ways. I the, just the green elixir guy. When he comes out in that cowboy's costume, I'm like, why? Why was this missed? Everything else is perfect, and he's just like sitting there ready to like sling a gun, and it, it drives me crazy. I bet you, I bet your bottom dollar that Lin Manuel has a ten page explanation for that. <laughs> I, I can almost guarantee it. But I agree. Even when you, you know, I know you've seen the show live. Yeah. I've seen the show live. It happens there too. The costume de- design's the same, and it is an experience where you're like, "Wait, what's going on here?" Right. <laughs> you know, like, wh- what am I missing? What like is this? Is this a thing? And then it's over, and you're like, "Okay, I don't care. Whatever." Yeah. It it drives me crazy. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so I can build on that a little bit. I mean, my so I would say that this was sort of interesting. I think having seen the stage show, um, I was not as blown away as I would have been if I was coming into this cold turkey. Mm-hmm. So I had multiple people texting me who knew that I'm like a big Hamilton stand, being like, OMG, I just watched Hamilton for the first time. Totally knocked my socks off. Totally blew me away. Shout out Mel. Mel was the first person to do this. <laughs> and every time I was like, that's so great. And it almost made me a little like jealous that this wasn't my first experience with it. Like give me your eyes so I can see it for the first time. Mm -hmm. But it was still phenomenal. It just didn't, it wasn't like it didn't knock me off my socks for that reason, but it was still so, so great. So much better than, than I expected it to be for sure. And, and I would say that um, the production value was extraordinarily high, even higher than I was anticipating because I mean, even after seeing the trailer, I didn't know that it was going to be this high of production value. So like recording a stage show is not a new thing. This is something that's been going on. I mean, I know you have a hit, you have a theater background. You've probably watched tons of Broadway shows that have been recorded. I just recently watched um, a Broadway original cast recording of Company from Stephen Sondheim. Mm-hmm. You know, I've seen shows recorded. Sweeney Todd is another one. Um, not like this, though. I mean, this was like, like you said, the care that they put into it. It wasn't just, let's set up a couple of cameras and we'll pick which shots we like best. This was like, this was directed. Yes. And it was it was very th- well thought out. And the lighting and the angles, you know, working with what was there. But then also creating their own perspective. It was really impressive and something that I can't say I'm surprised by it because mm-hmm. it's, it's Lin-Manuel and he for sure is going to take extraordinary care with his masterpiece. But, um, it was, it was a pretty pleasant viewing experience. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it. Um, the, the women in this show blew me away. Uh, I mean, um, Jasmine Safish Jones, Philippa Sue and, um, help me out. Angelica. Coltsberry. 
Yeah, Renee Goldsberry. Renee. Um, uh, unbelievable. Yes. I, I mean, their acting was stellar among the best in the whole group. Their vocals were pure. I mean, just like no lapses. And, and the vocal acrobats that they're doing in that show is, is oh ridiculous from the from the drop of the hat. I mean, right from... Um, Right from what's their first song, the Skylar Sisters. I yes. mean, that's just like incredible. Um, it all the way through to Burn, which Phil Pasu killed. Um, it's Quiet Uptown, which Renee Goldsberry killed. Yes. Um, it's Say No to This, Jasmine Safish Jones was like just ridiculously good. It, I mean, I was I was just blown away. I tweeted about it. I was like, this is insane. Yeah. So it was it was a very good performance overall. You you could tell that that they took the time they all felt like merged voices that would be sisters right they're they're acting how they like hung on each other and laughed with each other like they're sisters that's that's it so that's why their voices were so in tune with each other too. yeah it's it, crazy it was good so um i don't know anything else you want to say about hamilton gosh i mean is this eligible for for the oscars <laughs> so it's not it's not it's not fair it's no. not fair because their performances were so good they completely academy award winning performances in there that i would i want to change the rules yeah yeah i mean for sure and i you know i was watching um you know being a nerd about this stuff sort of watching the consumer behavior around this because you know outside of what what they launched with, which was the Mandalorian, um, which was obviously a huge draw um, initially to the platform, the biggest draw, I would say, to the platform initially. You sort of wait and see on, okay, what can this platform do now that it's live? What, what, How can it pull a new audience in or new people in? I mean, I think I look back at Netflix. House of Cards was the first one where you really saw people clicking subscribe specifically to be a part of that show. Yep. Um, and people were doing it for the show. I saw that some, some ridiculous stat you have to, it was like, um, Disney, Disney plus app downloads were up 75% or something like that. But if you look at the fine print of the stat, it's like versus the previous few weekends, it's like, okay, so 75% over what is normally happening. That makes sense because mm -hmm. this is a big event, but still it's not insignificant. It's, it's a huge thing. And it, it shows you that, People were purchasing Disney Plus for the first time because of this show, um, which is something that you and I assumed would happen, but um, the amount we were kind of speculating how much it would drive, it drove a significant amount. I think it will continue to do so because this is a phenomenon. It absolutely is. I hope that the people, and I think we talked about this too, like that did their free trial just to see Hamilton. I hope they renew too. Because yeah, yeah, sure. Like we talked about, it's so easy to turn on the background. It's so easy to watch over and over again because you, you see different and new things every time. And yeah. So it's really... I think the next big draw is going to be the MCU shows. Sure, that's, absolutely. That's got to be... They have to be really banking on those to to drive things home. So Falcon and the Winter Soldier is first up on that list, and I think I expect it to draw people in. Uh, and, and a demographic that probably hasn't hit subscribe just yet. A demographic of people who love the MCU single guys, I guess, kind of, that, that sort of thing where they don't care much about the historical Disney content, but they do care about Marvel. Yes. Um, I expect that'll be the next driving force for subscribers. So um, they're, they're off to, to a good start and it's becoming a pretty good platform these days, though the UI still sucks. Yeah. It's, it still needs, they help. made some changes with the episode select stuff. Like when you're actually within a show, 
they do the Netflix version where you have like the left rail with seasons and then mm-hmm. the right rail with episodes, which is an improvement um, visually, but <laughs> it's minor. It's, and and they need they need some big changes to make that platform more user friendly. I hope someone's in the background pushing that wheel, you know, like we got to get back. <laughs> we, we need to make this better. I, I think the thing that's funny about Disney plus, or at least from my perspective is that, and I can't confirm this. It's all anecdotal evidence, but like whatever is in the featured set seems to be completely random Oh yeah. outside of a few items. Like I have a really hard time believing that's driven by any sort of insider algorithm based on the random chaos that pops up in there on a daily basis. I'm, I'm going to check it real quick. I want to know. <laughs> I want to know what's because it's crazy. Right I mean, dude, it, first of all, it changes every day, and not in a small way, but like in a humongous, ginormous way. All right, you ready? Yeah. Uh, Hamilton, obviously. Sure. Then we've got Disney Channel Summer Sing Along. Who's watching? Which that? like what? National Geographic Wicked Tuna. Nope. Solo. Secrets of the Zoo, It's a Dog's Life, The Simpsons. Also, why are there like a hundred different things? There should be like five, not yeah, like 20. It's, Avengers, Days of Future Past. X-Men. Because the way that I look at it is like, okay, if somebody, so if Netflix has so much content these days that it's possible for you to go on Twitter and hear about something on Netflix that you didn't know about. Mm-hmm. And if you open it up, you're going to find it pretty quickly. It's either going to be in trending, top 10. It's going to be in the header right whenever you log in. Like, you're going to be able to find it quickly. Disney Plus, I mean, they don't have that kind of stuff yet, but I don't feel like people can go in there and easily find the big name titles right out of the gate. No, not at all. I'd be interested to know. I mean, they have like three Nat Geo shows. <laughs> up in I the mean, future. yeah, come like, on, dude. We know that no one watches those on purpose. <laughs> so <laughs> figure something out with that channel. Sorry, guys. Yeah. Um, okay, so that's Hamilton. hope you guys got a chance to check that out. If you haven't already... Um, go listen to last week's episode for a bit of fun with our It's Almost Time for Hamill Film song parody. And also, uh, you can check it out on social. We had a nice, we put together a nice video that has um, the lyrics on there so you can um, witness Kirk and I in our best attempt to try to be Lin Manuel Miranda and fail miserably. So, no, I think we've succeeded. <laughs> I think. That's pretty bold, man. That's you know, pretty bold. I think that he started a text several times to us <laughs> and he was the ghost dots were there. <laughs> yes. I think he was intimidated by our skill. Uh, I don't know, man. I tweeted at him and I got nothing. I tweeted at him at like 1 a.m. though. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, hey, you up? <laughs> <laughs> what <are> you doing? <laughs> yeah. He was like new phone who dis. Um anyway. Yeah, go check that out. We've gotten some good feedback on it, so I appreciate everybody who's listened to it so far. Okay, like I said, it's been two weeks. We got lots of news to cover. Um, we're gonna go from what's popping straight into our movie review. So let's uh, let's get rolling. Pop it up. All right. First bit of news. This is an interesting one. We were just talking about the MCU. This factors into it. Black Widow, which of course was supposed to come out May first, is now coming out November. Um, that stings. It, it does sting. But what's hilarious to me is. Um, all of these casts that have had this delay happen have been stuck in like press tour purgatory <laughs> where they have to continue to promote their film for like six straight months. Yeah. And, and the cast of Black Widow is is no different. I mean, they're and, and the crew. So Kate Shortland, who's the director of the film, um, 
had a had a chat with Empire Magazine, and she was talking about the dynamic between Scarlett Johansson and Florence Pugh, who are the two leads of this film. And Florence Pugh, of course, a newcomer to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, she's playing a character named Yelena Belova. And during that conversation with Empire, Kate Shortland said, Scar- "Scarlett, I'm I'm paraphrasing. Let me just be clear. Scarlett Johansson is so gracious. She she looks at it as." Oh, I'm handing her the baton, which threw everybody's antennae up. Like, I'm sorry, what? Mm-hmm. You're handing her the baton. Um, ScarJo's been in a million MCU movies, so if she's handing the baton to anybody, does that mean does that mean that Florence Pugh is going to be in a million MCU movies? So, um, we got my perspective of this on a video. There's a there's a video where I explain multiple theories and things like that. Um, you can find it on YouTube or on our Facebook page. But Kirk, I want to throw this out to you. Mm-hmm. What do you think of this? Do you th- do you think that Florence Pugh is here to stay, or do you think she's a one shot? I think she's here to stay because yeah. she is uh, like she's a home run. She's she's drawing crowds in left. She's and right. fantastic. Um, she's got a dynamic fan base as well with, sure. with the roles that she's taken on. It makes perfect sense to have someone like her. She's very different from Scarlett Johansson as mm-hmm. an actress, mm-hmm. yeah. and that's what also is kind of exciting. Because if you had someone that was just like her, well, then the story wouldn't be interesting to follow her back into the MCU. Because yeah. then why kill off the original Black Widow, right? Spoiler alert! If you haven't watched, <laughs> if you haven't watched Endgame, come on now, come on, come on, uh, bro. I, I think it's perfect. I really want her to, to to come back into the the regular timeline, just like pop out of nowhere. What what's the first movie in Phase Four? Uh, it, uh, it's a- this. Sorry, after this, what's after? Um, Eternals. Eternals, right? What yeah. if she just like rolls? She's probably a post credit scene in the Eternals. Yeah, like, could I'm be calling it right now. Yeah, I mean, this is this is interesting for so many reasons. Um, I think most interesting of this is that. Yelena Belova in the comics is not a hero per se. Mm-hmm. You know, she she does heroic things from time to time, but she's really out for her own best interest. I think that's a good play for Marvel. Mm-hmm. I, I think it would be great for them to, in the next phases, blur the lines between who's friend and who's foe. Mm-hmm. And they can be friend once, and the next time they're a foe, because I feel like, We've talked about it before. Marvel has issues with villains, you know, outside of Thanos and Loki and arguably Vulture, Michael Keaton. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, and then Eric Killmonger. Those four are the only good villains they've had, in my opinion. The rest are subpar. They're really like one shots. Okay, let's move on type of villains. So I think that's going to be an area where they look to beef it up in the future. And I think if you look at Loki being their most successful villain anti-hero, you know, that model wins, that model succeeds. So this could be another chance for them to do that. Could she be yeah. a part of the Avengers and then against the Avengers? Could she betray the Avengers? Like we could see a true double agent dichotomy with yeah, her, right? So absolutely. She could be like trading secrets and giving away their spot, but not sure. like not like detrimental, right? So that was like Loki did that a little bit. And then he was also like in Thor Dark World. He helped out everybody. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and then all of a sudden he's like, all right, I'm out of here. Thanks. I got, I got what I wanted. Yeah, I I love that perspective to see her playing, actually playing both sides. Yeah, for sure. It's it's going to be interesting. I mean, I selfishly obviously want Florence Pugh in the MCU for the foreseeable future. Um, so I hope that's what we get. But for more information on that, check out our video from last week where I kind of broke it down in more detail. Mm-hmm. Um, next bit of news, more Disney Plus news, lots of Disney Plus news this week. Um, just announced yesterday, Scorching Hot Off the Presses, a new um, 
Star Wars series. It's a spinoff of the Clone Wars, which of course is the massively popular um, seven season run animated series. Wow. Um, in season seven, they introduced a team that is referred to as the Bad Batch. And so this new show is called the Bad Batch. And mm -hmm. it's about um, that group. So they're sort of building off of that. Um, I, I have to be honest here, and I think you're in a similar boat. I don't think you watched the Clone Wars, right? I've not watched them. So I've watched it. I've watched a, a bit of it. I'm not to season seven, so I know nothing about this, but I, I do like to keep an eye on Star Wars stuff for a lot of reasons. I think, first of all, is just to look at the fan temperature around what Star Wars is doing because they're, we, you know, we've discussed it at length on this podcast. They're hot and cold. They're extremely... Um, yes, then they're no. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> to put in Katy Perry's They're in and they're out. They're up then they're down. <laughs> but no, I mean, they're just like... They're total bottle rockets. Like they uh -huh. just get, they just fly off the handle over anything. Yeah. And anything relating to the Clone Wars or like these spinoffs, they seem to totally dig, like unanimously. I did not see much bad backlash against this. So I feel uh -huh. like when I see a project like this, I feel like this is an area that, that Star Wars, Lucasfilm, Disney can succeed together going forward. Um, this show, I think, sort of evidences that they've picked up on that as well um so i think that's that's going to be an interesting thing for star wars going forward now that the skywalker saga is over do you think that be you know we after the big films came out uh, yeah the original three of the trilogy all of the books began circulating and yeah approved and do you think that's why episodic is better because what you ha what you had from the toxic fandom was they didn't put this in that movie they yep. didn't put this in that movie Absolutely. but now you have so much extra time to spread it out I think that I think that sort of um, you know live by the sword die by the sword. The uh -huh. books were good for Star Wars because it kept them in the conversation for twenty years, and then the prequel started coming out, and then it kept them in the in the conversation for another twenty years, and then the the sequel started coming out. So I think the books were good for that aspect. But then to your point, all of the different characters and storylines, the the real diehard fans got so obsessed with that they felt a sense of ownership over the series. Yeah. And so when the sequels started coming out, in my opinion, both the prequels and the sequels never stood a chance. Yeah, they just—I don't think—I don't think they could have won, no matter what, um, because there's just there was too much content out there to appease everybody. And so, I think instead they tried to stay as close as they could to the original storyline and do what they could, but they quickly found themselves in hot water and in a situation where they felt like they had to try to please everybody, but it was an impossible task, mm -hmm. and they ended up. You know, you know. In our opinion, we we weren't huge fans of the most recent film, um, and so I think that's a product of all of that. So I do think that they that Star Wars may be more successful on a micro level like this going forward. To to your point, mm -hmm. um, so I, I mean, I want them to be, I want them to succeed. I, I was hearing crazy fan theories over the last two weeks that Lucasfilm and Kathleen Kennedy has a plan to basically erase the sequels from being a part of the Skywalker saga. I don't um, agree with that. Using, using a technique that... Using a, uh, a plot or a loophole... Uh, X-Men Days of Future Past? Basically, <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, effectively, um, I find that hard to believe with how much they've invested in them. I think it would be a huge mistake. Now, they're saying that they would still, like they would still have value in a different timeline, but not in, not in our timeline. I don't know, but I, I, guess I hope they, that's not true. 
if they they shouldn't try to appease those people in that way it sounds like they're doing like interdimensional yeah time honestly time traveling yeah yeah so i don't think they should do that yeah i think what they're doing now i think playing small ball i think you know there's you know there's this trilogy this ryan johnson trilogy that we've heard of for a long time i think them waiting on that is smart let the dust settle let the Mandalorian do its thing. Let some of these other smaller spinoff shows do their thing. Um, win people that back that way and then say, hey, we're going to hit you with something completely new. Because um, I just don't think, I really don't feel like anything related to that original trilogy that closely can ever win. Nope. So this is a good play in my book for them. Okay, moving on. Got a new trailer today, as in Wednesday, July 15th for a movie called Project Power. Um, it's coming to Netflix in August, and it stars Jamie Foxx and Joseph Gordon-Levitt. The premise of this movie is, like, limitless in a way. You take a pill, and you get five minutes of unlimited power, but it's like a lottery machine. You have no idea which power it's going to be. It looks like in the trailer, like, you could have fire power you could be invisible you could be super strong you could be invincible yeah and you don't really get a choice kind of like the 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 hogwarts jelly beans that you buy yeah exactly the any any flavor beans right yeah let's see what this is pop it in (laughs) wonder what's gonna happen yeah so um what did you think of this trailer I thought the trailer was really slick. I thought it was really cool it is it's it's a sexy trailer let's be honest sexy it is Jamie Foxx, <laughs> getting spicy. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, yeah, it was. It looked. It looked like I wanted to kiss it very badly. I, uh-huh. I, I did think it. Yeah, I, I felt the Hogwarts vibe from it. I felt limitless. I felt push with Chris Evans. Oh, good call. Because uh, it's like this, like pseudo superpower thing. Yeah. Um, and then there was one other thing I felt. What was it? Uh, rats. I lost it. I'll think. Right. Thank you, Bright. That's what you said, yeah. Yes, Bright from uh, from Netflix, Will, Will Smith. It kind of uh-huh. felt like all of those merged together, which I like kind of soupy movies like that. Like, sure. oh, it has like all these cool aspects, but will it succeed? I mean, succeed is an interesting word to <laughs> use there. You know what I mean? Because it, it's Netflix, and I think we're seeing more and more a hypothesis that we threw out there, you know, weeks ago is kind of proving itself to be true that Netflix is looking for things that they're operating like an ad agency more so than a content creation uh-huh. or, or, or still content creation, but more like magazine than production studio in the sense that we want clicks, we want clicks, we want clicks, we want clicks, we want views. So movies like extraction movies, like the old guard movies, like, you know, project power. The, these things are flashy and I don't think Netflix cares too much if they're that good. Mm-hmm. So do I think it will be successful in terms of critical acclaim? I have my doubts. Do I think it will be successful in terms of people watching it and tweeting about it? For sure. Mm-hmm. I think people are definitely going to watch it and tweet about it. Oh, yeah. You, you can't look away from that cast. Yeah. I, I will watch it and tweet about it. <laughs> so I mean, that's a guarantee. That's a guarantee, man. So I can already tell you just from the trailer. They got the cool music. They got Jamie Fox. They got Joseph Gordon-Levitt playing a role that you're like, huh? This is kind of strange for him, but also like I'm intrigued. Yeah. And then you got superpowers. Right. I mean, I'm I'm showing up for that. Yeah. And I fully expect it to not be great, but we'll we'll see what happens. 
The other fact is that it is on Netflix. You're not paying $20 to see this film. You just pay monthly and you'll watch this along with eight other movies. Yeah. You don't lose anything. No. You, not 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 visibly. You turn let's say assume the worst. You turn it on, you don't like it, you turn it off, you find another flick that you like. Yeah, no skin off your nose. You I hop mean, over to Disney Plus and turn Hamilton back on. Absolutely. That that's why Netflix I think is smart with this strategy. Do I wish that they would like commit hard to to really superb excellent content? And I'm not saying that this won't be. I want to be clear. Like yeah, I'm hopefully. just saying I hope that it is, but I do selfishly wish that they would just commit to amazing, amazing content every time, but they're running a business and a very successful one. And, um, I can, I see their strategy and it works ad agency. That's such a good, um, what do you call it? Example <laughs> analogy. <laughs> that's the metaphor. One. I don't know. Anyway, one of those things. Okay. So that's, that's project power. Go check out the trailer. Um, am I on social tomorrow? Or are you? So I'm on, I'm on social. I'll put it out there. I'll put the trailer out there tomorrow so people can see it. So mm-hmm. check out our social. If you, if you want to see it and you're listening to this right now, I'll try to post it in the morning. Okay. Um, next up. Oh man. Okay. We're taking a turn. We're taking a turn here. Um, things are getting really meta. Cause I just mentioned that Kirk was on social duty today and he was like, Oh crap. That's me. And just took a selfie of himself <laughs> recording this episode. <laughs> and He's going to post it right now. <laughs> <laughs> just see it behind the curtain there roasted exposed roasted no it's good that stuff wins man I've that got, stuff i've wins. got bad lighting so it's not gonna happen it's not gonna okay happen. well later we can stage one later okay we'll get your little light ring set up you just keep talking i'm okay. gonna figure something out so this is where we take a turn from like good fun news to like ouch yikes cringe news so um okay stick with me here so we all know i think we all know that a few years back, I want to say it was like 2011, 2012 region. I mean, it was a while ago. There were rumors that Jada Pinkett Smith was having an affair uh, with her husband, Will Smith, that they were on the brink of divorce, which they are like, in my opinion, they are the power couple in yes. in all of Hollywood um, after Brangelina, you know, went their separate ways. They're, they're sort of the couple that everybody thought would make it. Um, and so when this news started coming out, people were like, crap, love is dead. There's no such thing. So anyway, for whatever reason, um, Jada Pinkett Smith has, and she has a web series called red table talk. It's been pretty successful. It started in 2018. It's just the whole concept is like, it's like a morning show, but it's like real talk, mm-hmm. you know? And, and I dig that. I think it's a, I think it's winning. Um, it's a Facebook watch series, but for whatever reason they decided now was the time to bring Will Smith to the red table to let all their dirty laundry hang out. I don't know. Is there another way to describe this? No, it was, I don't understand why this took place. <laughs> <laughs> so they have, they have Will Smith come to the table, the red table to talk about, um, Jada's affair. I'm going to play a bit of audio for you. Um, from this video. That way you can get a taste of what it was like. Here we go. We decided that we were going to separate for a period of time and you go figure out how to make yourself happy and I'll figure out how to make myself happy. Well, at that particular point in time, it was indefinite. Yeah, I really felt like we could be over. Yeah, no, we were over. And then what did you do, Jada? Well, you know, I think from there... You know, as time went on, I got into a different kind of entanglement. Mm -hmm. 
with August. One thing I want to get clear about and clean up, one of the things that was kind of swirling in the press about you giving permission, which is, uh, you know, the only person that can give permission in, in, in that particular uh, uh, yes. circumstance is myself. Yes, exactly. Yeah. But what August was probably trying to communicate, mm -hmm. because I could actually see how he would perceive it as permission because we were separated amicably yeah. and I think he also wanted to make it clear that he's not a homewrecker which he's not I think so I mean because this is your red table and you like brought yourself to the red table I think um, you need to say clearly what happened as far as what you and I decided we were gonna take our space and what happened yeah and then I got into an entanglement with August, that's what I said. An entanglement? Yes. <laughs> yes. A relationship. Yes, it was a relationship, absolutely. I was in a lot of pain, and I was very broken. Now, in the process of that relationship, I definitely realized that you can't find happiness outside of yourself. All right, so that is audio from the very, very lengthy episode of Red Table Talk, and that's straight from the video that they posted on their Facebook watch. So if you want more of that content for whatever reason, <laughs> if you're not cringing hard enough already and you want to try to make it through the full bit, um, you can check that out by going to the red table talk Facebook page and listening to the whole thing. Um, reaction time. Yikes <laughs> city. That is like, that is cringe central station for so many reasons. First of all, I'm like 30 seconds into that clip. I'm like, you know what? I thought that I wanted this and I don't, I don't, it's okay guys. Like we're good. <laughs> Take care of your business. We don't need to know. Cause it's just like, it's so hard to listen to man. It's so hard. And if you watch the video when, when Will Smith says, um, so Jada, you brought, this is your red table. You're sort of bringing yourself to the red table. So I think you need to explain clearly what you did. And when she says I had an entanglement and he goes an entanglement, <laughs> you can physically see his soul leaving his body through his eyes. It's horrifying. It's like she, she put on this production to sit to be like I'm gonna I'm gonna be real with my husband I'm gonna let it all out on this table I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna speak to him I'm gonna be honest and then like he calls her out he's like no no let's get let's be honest right say the words say the words and then she doesn't yeah she doesn't do it and he's like well all right here we are you know yeah like, exactly in in my mind at that point if she didn't come clean I'd be like shut the cameras off say it say it on camera yeah run it back let's go again well and i think that's what's so awkward about this whole thing is you because i'm trying to put myself in the position of them like why did they feel like now was the time for this why did they feel like this had to happen and then having that in mind so they clearly had a discussion like this has got to happen we're going to do this we're going to do it on my show we're going to we're going to air it all out but then you can feel at least in my opinion during that conversation there is stuff there that's still unresolved. Yes. And I'm like, why, if you want to make this joint statement, I guess, yep. wouldn't you make sure you have all that crap tied up? Like, if they want to, like, listen, this is their business. If, if this happened in their relationship and they're cool to move on, so be it. Lots of people have moved on from worse. These guys live complicated celebrity lives. 
I'm cool with that. What I cannot at all understand is how they can get on this show and then still sound like they are at odds over this thing and still sound like there are hurt feelings that have not been explored and, and details that need to be worked out. Like that part makes it really hard to watch. This isn't a live show, right? No. Okay. So they ha- let's walk through this. Yeah. Jada said, Hey, will I'm going to talk about my entanglement with August. Why don't you come on over to the red table? He's like, all right, sweet. We're going to get this on the table. He's going to say that we're going to get both of our sides out there. They film it. They will understands that he didn't say what he wanted her to say. Yeah. I mean, they, and then he lets her put it online. Right. I don't know. No, I I don't know. I, I, yeah, you have to know going into that interview, (laughs) like, Usually they establish ground rules for things like that yes. when there's big like expose interviews like, okay, you can ask me about these things, but you can't ask me about these things because that's our biz. That conversation doesn't appear to have happened. Or if it did, those rules were broken and they seemingly don't care. I don't know. Like, are they just in it for the clicks at this point? It's hard to know what the what was the driving force here. I think both of their reactions were honest. You can see. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Like the, it's not staged at all. No. Nope. Other than being in a production studio or whatever yeah. in their basement, or whatever. But I I just don't know how you let that air unless Will Smith <laughs> brings her back to the red table. I don't know. I mean, I mean, they do go on to like talk more about it and and kind of like the nature of the separation, you know, Jada's basically making the Ross um, from friends argument. <laughs> we were on a break, you know, <laughs> like she's doing that thing. And Will Smith's like, Mm-mm, I don't know. The whole thing is crazy, insane, cringe. I could not even believe my eyes whenever I watched it for the first time. Yeah. I've watched it probably. I've like hate watched it 10 times <laughs> since then, just to, just to feel the, the giddiness and the embarrassment that I get from, how intense it is and um i can't get enough it's it's insane to will's credit what a gentleman you know sure he, i mean he had every 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 normal you know man probably would have been like are you kidding me yeah and i mean like you know? listen like if they were separated and there were different terms like i don't i don't i don't want to just be like jada was in the wrong because i don't i definitely don't feel like we are responsible enough to make that call yeah um but the way, like, again, like the way that they're having this conversation and, and the fact that it's unresolved makes it feel so raw. Yeah. The, it's hard. Like, it's tough. Clearly, they were on different pages of their break. Yes. Will's like holding on hope. Still, and it's been like eight years, man. <laughs> right. And she was like, no, we were done. He's like, we were almost done. No, we were, we were done. We we're done, Will, is what she yeah. says. Yeah. She so. was like, yeah, we were done. We were done. <laughs> He's like, it's, it's insane. It's insane. So I had to talk about it. I mean, we're not that kind of podcast to like talk about the page six stuff, but this was like, this was huge. Yes. I had to talk about it. So anyway, go watch that full thing. Red Table Talk <laughs> on Facebook. It is a trip and a half. Okay. Moving on to something equally weird, but for different reasons, or should I say equally ludicrous? What? Luda. <laughs> as in Luda, Chris. Um, our, our buddy Ludacris is in the Fast and the Furious series. We're all aware of that. For some reason, yes. Uh, f- somehow, Fast and the Furious has turned into the NFL where we end up talking about them year-round. I don't even know how they've swung this, but they do. Like, there's any given month. Like, throw a dart at a month, boom, there's a Fast and the Furious story, and I don't even know. Mm-hmm. He went on Sirius XM's The Jess Cagle Show to talk about Fast 9. I mean, I don't think he went on there to talk about Fast 9, but Fast 9 came up. 
and the host of the show started poking around and being like, so what, what we got here? What, what are we doing? We're doing something totally different. And again, paraphrasing, he was like, yeah, we're doing something totally different. I can't speak to it. And she, uh, I can't remember actually, I didn't listen to the interview, but I read the article and it's like insinuates like, so what do you, what do you mean by different? Are we going to space or something? And talks about a couple of other things. And he's like, well, let's just say you said something right there. And so everybody's like, oh my gosh, Fast and the Furious is going to space. Yes. So <laughs> this is like the granddaddy of all speculation, but totally feels reasonable considering the trajectory that this film series is on. Yes. What is your reaction to Fast 9 potentially going to outer space? I just wanted to be in the writer's room for this franchise when they said, right. all right, I know we race fast cars, <laughs> but now international espionage is our game that's right picture this <laughs> and now intergalactic espionage i just like i can't it's uh yeah i'm in a similar boat man where i'm like what even is this series anymore <laughs> like if, if i'm gonna show my son this one day like oh asher asher dude fast and the furious such a cool movie you got all these these huge muscle cars they race there's they're, they're like stealing stuff off these cars it's so cool but he's an undercover cop Oh, let's watch like Fast Furious Six. Oh yeah, they're like going to to Spain, and there's like <laughs> like I don't understand. Yeah, it's a, so it's a good thing you point out there, like showing this movie to the next generation. It for the longest time for me, I felt like the Fast and the Furious series was a cultural hallmark of an era of movies. I felt like it was something that if you were making a um, I love the nineties or I love the two thousands. You would have to talk about fast and the furious because of its cultural societal popularity and impact. Yes. Do you feel like that gets diminished with each film that comes out every time? Yeah, I do too. Every I single mean, for one. me, I think, I think six years ago, somebody told me, Hey, I've never seen an action movie in my life. What are the essentials that I have to see? I would be like, okay, mission impossible. Um, James, one of the early James Bond movies, I would say, um, die hard, die hard, probably something that, you know, something spy and then something like almost like a karate movie, like Bruce Lee or mm -hmm. like, um, some ja a Jackie Chan movie for yeah. sure. Yeah. And then I would be like fast and the furious. Yeah. And I feel like less so now. Yeah. Because everything changes. So the second one, um, is terrible, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. sure. Um, too fast, too furious. fast, too furious, and Tokyo Drift also is is not that great. Yeah, is that where Luda came into the franchise? I believe so. Tokyo Drift, I think so. Okay, yeah, and he's been hanging on ever since. Yes, he has for <laughs> dear life. <laughs> but yeah, that first one is like you can't replicate that, and they, well, even the other two were sort of of the same ilk. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It wasn't like a to it didn't feel like a totally different ball game. It was a tired bit, but it wasn't like totally removed from the, what we're doing now in fast movies, <laughs> including Hobbs and Shaw. Yes. I mean, wow. That uh, final look, scene with the helicopter and the crane and oh, the dude. rock holding them together <laughs> know, man. in Somalia. Yeah. It's, uh, or Samoa. Or Samoa. Yeah yeah. 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 Somalia. That would be a very different movie. <laughs> That's but. what I'd rather see. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, dude, that movie's preposterous. It's, it's just pure, like, you can't look away because it's yeah. it's so flashy. Um, it's interesting. So Fast Nine in space, book it. it that's probably <laughs> happening. Okay, next bit of news. We got a couple more here. Um, this is an interesting one. So 
HBO Max is is well underway. Still not on Roku on Amazon Fire TV, by the way. Which <sighs> screw you guys. Yeah. I mean, like, are you kidding? I hate it. I never watch it because of that. Yeah. Because I don't have an Apple TV or a Chromecast or whatever, and so if I'm not watching it on my iPad, then I'm not watching it at all. And I just don't watch that much stuff on my iPad. I watch a lot of my stuff on my main television. So. Anyway, I'm still bitter about that. But um, <laughs> there is a Gotham City Police Department show upcoming for HBO Max. It's in the works. Mm-hmm. Um, first reaction when I heard this was, hey, they already did that on Fox with a show called Gotham. Um, it was about Jim Gordon. That show sucked. <laughs> do, you, do you think that show sucked? Because I got, cl- got clapped back in a major way whenever I said that. People were like, what? Well, I never watched... Shout out Jada Pinkett-Smith, who's on Gotham. Right. Um, I never watched that, but I'm, I've am i always been fascinated with the main actor who played uh, James Gordon, Ben McKenzie. Yeah. In all aspects, he should be fantastic. I think he is, too. I mean, I think he is a good actor. Yeah, but is he great? And maybe that's why that show, if your antagonist isn't great... Yeah. Then does it really work? Well, I just feel like, I mean, again, I'm super snob is coming out here now. Network television blows. Yeah, it does. <laughs> it's terrible. And so even, even back whenever Gotham first got started, network television sucked, but yeah. I gave it a chance knowing full well that like, uh, eh, this is probably not going to be very good. It wasn't. I'm just looking at the screenshots of this show right now and they just look like hot garbage. Gotham? Yeah. Oh, the set design was terrible. Like, so low budget. Like just a, awful. So this this thing was on between 2014 and 2019. Smallville looked better than this. 100% Smallville did. Like what in the world? <laughs> I know, dude. The CW <laughs> used to crank it out. They still kind of do in a way. Um, but yeah, I mean, so for me, I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, oh, they're going to retry Gotham. They're going to do it with HBO resources. They're going to do it with HBO production quality. Yeah, I'm all in. Mm-hmm. And my favorite comic of probably my favorite comic of all time, well, second favorite comic of all time, is Batman Year One um, by um, Tim Sale. Yep. And uh, I forget who all was involved in that book, but it's about the early years of Batman and the early years of Jim Gordon in Gotham City PD. If this show could be that, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. it would be so so great. So I I'm, I have a lot of hope for this project, but. Um, yeah, not, hopefully it's better than Gotham. You'll have no hope until it comes on to Amazon yeah. TV and <laughs> yeah, Roku. Right, dude, come on. <laughs> um, next bit of news. This is an interesting one. A project we've been hearing about for a long time, Uncharted. Yes. Which is, of course, based off of the hugely popular video game series, Uncharted. That's um, Sony, a Sony series. Mm-hmm. Um, this movie is making headlines because Tom Holland is playing Nathan Drake, which is massive casting. He's a superstar. And, um, you know, for a long time we didn't have a director, but we kept hearing the script is great. The script is great. Um, now it's under production officially this week. Mm-hmm. Um, Tom Holland posted a picture of his little director's chair on Instagram and said day one uncharted. So it's coming. Yep. Are you excited about this movie? I have zero interest in this yeah. movie. <laughs> Video game movies are tough, right? They are. And because... Honestly, it feels like this movie shouldn't be made because it's been pushed back and yeah, pushed back and pushed back. It's fair. It's fair. I mean, video game movies are a tough sell for me um, personally, and I think probably anybody, but they they have a miserable track record of they being do. good. Just awful. There's, 
there's not been one. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's the weirdest thing. It's like when you make a movie based off of a video, of a video game, the movies suck. Yeah. If you make a video game based off of a movie, the video game sucks. Like, it's just one of those things. Minus Goldeneye, it's the only exception to the well, rule. Well, yeah, I mean, let's be honest. That, I, used to th- I don't even think about that as a. I'm just like that's a all timer. Dude, I played Goldeneye before I saw the movie, and I was convinced that they made the movie because of the the game. You would you would think that because it's because like the game is so great, perfect mm-hmm. for its time, and it's it's timeless actually. Yeah, but this movie. Whatever. I, I, mean, I wouldn't blame Tom Holland if they get like two weeks in and he says, you know what? Never mind. <laughs> I'm only excited because of Tom Holland. <laughs> yeah. Like I've played Uncharted. I, I haven't played the full series, but I've played here and there and I like it. And I think that it's, you know, it always looks good on paper, right? These video game movies like, oh, the video game was so cool. But I, I do have, I would put myself in the cautious optimism bucket at this moment. Mm-hmm. Also, this whole thing with everybody always saying, oh, the script is one of the best I've ever read. <laughs> that has to stop. That's like a new trend on these press tours and like on Instagram and stuff. And I hate it. Yes. It's like um, last week, Holly, uh, uh, Halloween Kills, the uh, the new Halloween movie mm-hmm. with Jamie Lee Curtis, yes. uh-huh. got pushed back and she was like, Oh man, I'm bummed that it got pushed back because the movie and the script is so great. Mm. I'm like, this is like the 20th Halloween sequel. Yeah. How great is the script, Jamie Lee Curtis? Like, let's be honest with ourselves, please. It's going to be the same as the others. (laughs) Right. Um, Okay. Anyway, shifting gears um, in a direction that I hate to shift gears is um, horrible, horrible tragedy has struck the Glee cast once again. It's actually really eerie what continues to happen to this cast of people. Um, I mean, if you believe in curses and stuff like that, this feels like something there. I don't know. It's, it's crazy. Um, but Naya Rivera who went missing, um, when was that late last week? It was Wednesday of last week, Wednesday of last Uh week. Um, you know, her son, her four year old son was found, on a boat in the lake by himself asleep. She was nowhere to be found. It was a missing persons case that soon turned into um, a body recovery case. And sad to let you guys know if you hadn't already heard that Naya Rivera uh, was found and passed away. So um, as always, our, our thoughts and, and prayers with the, with her family, certainly mm-hmm. um, some pretty gut wrenching video out there of her family gathering with fellow Glee cast members at the lakeside. Um, it's just horrible. I mean, there's no explanation for it. It's just, we'll get more details certainly, it, but that will never make sense of this. No matter what the, mm-hmm. what the reasoning or what have you, it will just never make this feel okay. Um, knowing that there is a, a four year old kid who, whose mom is, is gone now. So yeah. it's, it's sad. Um, any thoughts on Naya Rivera or anything that you wanted to add, Kirk? Yeah, I, I remember I put this on social. Um, we didn't want to follow this case because we were just hopeful that she would just turn up oh, absolutely. Uh, alive. You know? Yeah, yeah. And I remember when this show first came out, I was a theater major. This show, the, the show Glee that she's famous for came out and we had watch parties in my apartment. Sure. It was so much fun. And her sassy character, her multi-dimensional character too, like it wasn't just this... I'm a jerk. I'm a cheerleader. It was, it grew into something so much more. And 
kudos to her and kudos to all, all of the other work she did later. I found out she was like on, on a show that I already forgot what it was called because it's on a channel I don't have. Uh, Step Up High Water. She's in 20 episodes of this thing and then like she was projected to keep going. So this girl was working. She was she was making sure everything was happening and it's just it's just so sad. She she was so young. It, it's, yeah, 33. It's just, heartbreaking. It's ridiculous and to, to know that her little her little boy was there when that happened too. It's thank goodness for him being able to not understand what what's going on. Or yeah. I, I hope he never Ho- does. Hopefully, hopefully no. Yeah. Because yeah. that, that could be pretty horrifying. And yeah. I think it still will be. I mean, growing out, growing up without your mother is certainly tough enough, but um, hopefully any trauma, you know, hopefully he was spared from that. Yes. So um, yeah. Anyway, uh, as always, you know, our hearts are with, with people affected by this and um, yeah, just again, senseless and, and hard to understand when these things happen. Um, and then just one last bit of news before we transition into um, our review, which is also a bummer, but not not the same level, is that Tenet and other uh, other films that were due to come out in the July-August window are, are looking to be delayed once again as COVID cases are once again, sadly, on the rise in the United States of America. So um, we don't have a date yet. We don't need, it's not even confirmed, but just bracing you guys for that fact that we'll probably be waiting even longer past the push date of August 12th for tenant. So, yep, it's devastating, but understandable. It is understandable. Time. And uh, yeah, I mean, with, with things trending the way they are, you can't imagine that many people would feel super safe going to the theater right now. So safety first, as always. Wear your mask. Yep. Um, okay. Let's move into our review. A very, very interesting film this week on Netflix, so you can stream it whenever. Um, the Old Guard. Mm-hmm. And Kirk, I believe it is your turn to synopse, but Man. we didn't really talk about it beforehand, so if you want me to synopse it, I can roll. I can do it. It's my responsibility, Cams. You got it. And then you can um, kick off the superlatives as well. Oh, beautiful. Okay, so how to not give this away very tough very oh. tough <laughs> very tough this is an action movie with charlie's theron there you go okay <laughs> <Notice>. great <laughs> i wish i could stop there uh this is an action movie with charlie's theron she plays a character named a mysterious character named andy mm-hmm. um obviously has some combat skills as seen in the trailer and there is a, um, I wish I would have watched the trailer before this. There is a group of scientists after her because they believe she has something that the world can use. Yep. Very good. Hey. Yeah, she has like a team, a special forces kind of like, ta- nah, I mean, not, not special forces. They're not like affiliated with anybody, but they are like, yeah, they're like mercenaries almost in a way. You yeah. They're kind of like four higher guns. Should I read the IMDb one? Just no. For, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I think that's good. All right, we'll stop we're going to, we're going to try super duper hard not to spoil this movie. Yeah. It's hard. There and the is Oscar a, goes there too. is a big twist, which is why we have to be careful. Like basically minutes into the movie. Yeah, it's really quick, but it is, <laughs> if we tell you about it, it will destroy the effectiveness of the movie. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The Oscar goes to Charlize Theron. <laughs> I knew you were going to pronounce her name wacky. I knew it. Am I that predictable? <laughs> Well, we just had a lengthy conversation before this about how people pronounce her name all kinds of crazy ways. Yes, and we want we want to just uh, close the book on that. It's Charlize Theron. Uh. Okay. 
<laughs> it's don't do it like that. That's that's wrong. Charlize Theron. 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 Very good. She does yes. a wonderful video of her pronouncing her own name online. Which is perfect. You can watch it. It's Google the same it. thing I looked up for Mahershala Ali. So. <laughs> and uh, Shiwatel Ejiofor. <laughs> and so many others. Uh, she she wins. There there's there's a reason why people win their Academy Awards awards for acting and mm-hmm. She she's an all star. Um, I think that Hollywood should really start to acknowledge these action themed movies because, sure. yeah, this movie is meant for just just in your face combat uh, action. And on top of that, on top of doing most of her own stunts, she's just good. Like it, it's just it's just a completely stellar performance on her part, and you can't look away in a in a movie that is is uh, as kind of. It's kind of fantasy, but it's like realistic fantasy. Yeah. And she nails it. She grounds it. And I want to see more. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a good choice. I also went with Charlize Theron. Um, She is leaps and bounds ahead of anybody else in this cast. And I don't feel like that says anything bad about anybody else in this cast. I mean, it just she is a world class talent. We all know this. Um, if I'm being honest, I'm, I'm pretty irked that she continues to get cast in movies like this, that she, cause Charlize Theron, before she went down like the Mad Max atomic blonde road was a hard hitting, really excellent drama actor and a very good one. Um, she was in a movie with Patton Oswalt called young adult. Mm-hmm. Um, that was an indie film. And she gives a brilliant performance in that movie. It's a really sort of uncomfortable watch, but one that's very good. Um, I like her in that setting. I love her in action films because she's a baller and a shot caller. And I think that's why she continues to get cast because she's excellent. Um, And she, you know, to your point, in an action film, she's able to provide a level of depth to these less deep characters, these more shallow characters that... um, I think other people just have a hard time achieving. I think it, she has a skill for that. Creating creating a character basically out of nothing. You know, mm-hmm. creating depth out of facial expressions, yeah. glances, pauses, um, inflection. I mean, she it, it's masterful. It, it really is. And she is better than anyone else at this, which is why I think she gets cast in movies like this. But I do, I do want to see her... In more dramas going forward because she's so so great. I mean, I know yeah. she was in um, Bombshell, which I haven't gotten a chance Same. to see, but I'm sure she was brilliant. I believe she got nominated for that movie. She so, did. Um, yeah, I want more of Charlize in that in that realm, while still getting sprinkles of action film here and there. Yeah, if Tom Cruise is the blueprint for male action star, yeah, Charlize is 100 for female. Yeah, action I think so star. too. It's it's as simple as that. Mm-hmm. So what's stealer. my next thing? Scene stealer. Yeah. I was like, my scrolling thing on iPad was in the wrong spot. Okay. Words. Matthias. Strong name. Schoenarts. 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 Hmm, maybe it's Schoenarts. No idea. This guy that plays a character named Booker. Oh, in, yeah. In Book. the film. Good. He's got this, like, sick, slick back hair. He's a Belgian actor. Um but he has a perfect American accent. So I was, I'm always in awe of those people. I'm like, how, what is an American accent? Yeah, how, I could never. How dare you? Yeah, I could, I could never. I could never. So when yeah, people kudos. can fade in and out of it, it's like, what in the world? Um, this guy's great. I, I haven't seen him in anything else or that I 
quickly remember. He reminds me of the bad guy in um, Bad Boys Two and the the newest season of Jack Ryan. He looks yes. just like him, mm-hmm. um, different nationalities, but that look is so cool. Um, just as as a character, Tom Hardy kind of looked like this guy in Very Inception. Suave. You got this slick back hair. You dress like to the nines. And yeah, I just I just couldn't take my eyes off. Dresses like a guy who would like smoke cigars and play dominoes in yeah. um, Miami. Yes, <laughs> yeah. you know, like Miami Vice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He he's just a cool guy. I'm not a cool guy, so when I see cool guys on screen, I'm like, that's a cool guy. He drips with swagger. <laughs> yes. So uh, that guy, he's he's fantastic. Yeah, I thought he was good. Um, it's funny that. You know, you picked somebody that you that he reminded you of. To me, he looks like Tim Roth. Okay, I feel like he looks like a young Tim Roth, um, and it hit me like right away. I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. So who oh, knows? I love Tim Roth. I think he has a bright future, though. I don't. I don't know that he has tons of credits. I admittedly didn't look too much into what he's done, but he was one of the bright spots in this movie for sure. Um, my scene stealer is Chiwetel Ejiofor. Um, Love this guy. I've, I, I believe I've given him scene stealer before. I'm sure I have. Yep. Um, he's excellent. Was a pleasant surprise to see him in the cast. He plays a very important character for for plot driving purposes, and one that, you know, from the jump, you're not really sure what his role is going to be, and it just sort of kind of is an ever changing sort of thing, and he keeps you in the dark, and I like that. I think that's a that's a skill in and of itself to not show your hand uh, from a character perspective. There are times when characters have scenes without Charlize Theron in them. Um, in those scenes, sometimes those characters need a little bit of help and Chiwetel is able to offer that as yeah. sort of, he's sort of like the other elder statesman of, <laughs> of this um, cast. And um, he does a great job of anchoring scenes when Charlize is not in, in the picture for whatever reason. So I, I was glad that he was there. I love it in movies where you're not quite sure of the cast list. This happens to me more more recently than not because yeah. we consume so many movies now and shows. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. oh, you're in that? Whoa. So when he popped up on the screen, no idea he was in this movie. I was like, oh, it must be big. <laughs> like, what's going to happen with this character? Right. And just like you said, you're like, what, what's going to happen with this? But you're like, obviously, they're not paying for Shuatel unless he's going to just swing, swing home tonight. Yep. So it was really good. He was really good. Absolutely. Okay, let's move into Showstopper. What blew you away? Uh, just got to go with the story. This is based off a graphic novel. Is that correct? Yeah, a comic series. Yeah, yeah graphic novel series. And um, I was just blown away. The, 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 the structure of the story was, was just really intricate, had a lot of great details. Um, the... I, that's all I got to say. It's it's just, it was very a very fascinating story. Otherwise, I'll spoil it. Yeah, I, I mean, so mine is similar. I, I was saying the, the, not the twist, but sort of the trick of this movie. Yeah. Like, like the, the concept is my showstopper. I think people are starting to realize, you know, The Boys is gaining popularity. Um, we've got this series. We've got a couple of other comic series, you know, The Walking Dead way back. The as someone who reads comics, these smaller, um, in this case, it's uh, Image Comics, which is not small by any means, but is smaller than DC and Marvel. Mm-hmm. But these these groups that write comics that maybe are less superhero-y and are more in the realm of fantasy and fiction, those guys and all, all the way down to independent comic book, you know, companies 
are creating some really great content. And we're, I think we're going to continue to see this. I think people have sort of figured out that that is an untapped area for good ideas. Because in my opinion, the comic book reading community serves as a great proving ground for really radical and out there ideas. Like mm-hmm. the people who read comic books are looking for something that's like, whoa. <laughs> you know, they want it, they want something that they couldn't have thought of themselves. They want to be they want to be submersed in an idea that is totally mind-blowing. And so you get a lot of really good concepts in that world. And I think we'll continue to see more from companies like this. That's so good. I think that comic book writers have kind of perfected the here's, here's a story. It looks familiar. Yep. And then they have this incredible left hook that yep. just like, Whoa, just takes you out of it and just really sucks you in. Cause you're like, I know what this movie is going to be like. I can already predict the end, and then you just get swept off your feet. Well, yeah, because those guys have to sell a book week after week. Yeah, you know what I mean. They have to. They have to keep you coming back, and so they're they have perfected that art. Yeah, they, they know how to keep people engaged, and this concept is rock solid. Though we can't go into the details on it, it's one that's very innovative. Sorry, <laughs> so you'll have to watch it for yourself. Director's shoes. Yeah, I think the middle of this film needed some more work. Okay, um, and I'm I went back and forth on this. Is the is the kind of, I won't say messy, but did I not like the middle of this movie because of the pandemic or not? Because mm, okay. we, have, we have all of these movies and shows that were filmed and cut, then then all they had to do is get edited in post-production. So someone can do that or a team can do that by carefully going into the studio or bringing some of that stuff home during all this, sure. right? So was this movie like completely done or were they in post-production and editing and they had no opportunity to reshoot. Mm. That's that's my question for some of these movies because we've had a couple of movies we rev- we've reviewed that were stellar in like Act One and Two, but not Three, or you know rearranged that Fair. formula. Yeah. So I'm wondering if the middle of this can be blamed on that or not. I have no one to answer that question, but that's that's what I would have changed. I would have I would have reshaped the middle act of this movie. Okay, yeah, I think that's a smart way. That's that's a smart perspective and one that I hadn't considered. You know, I, I've sort of have been taking movies at face value, but you're 100% right that, you know, these movies that come out in the middle of a global pandemic probably had to cut some corners to get the thing done. I I think that's fair. And, Mm -hmm. and one that I don't think, um, you know, we should go lighter on them in terms of criticism to your point, but could be a reason for some things maybe not being as polished as they could have been. Right. Um, good call. Very good call. Um, my director, she's, I got a couple of things. First of all, and most importantly, I know I do this. A co- I've done this a couple of times. The music is just preposterous. I, <laughs> the so I I couldn't get over it, dude. I, I got to be honest with you. It was really hard to watch because they have these great action sequences with awesome choreography. You know, hard hitting, well edited, with this goofy pop music <laughs> over top of it. I just cannot wrap my head around it. And every time. They brought in a different song. I was like, oh, gosh. All the way at the end when they used Silence by Khaled and Marshmallow, I was like, what are we doing? This is insane. Like, you guys couldn't, like, did nobody pre-approve this stuff? Like, did they hire a college kid for this? I don't understand. It was so, so bad. Yeah. And the action sequences would have been infinitely better, I think, if they were silent, to be honest with you because the music was so off-putting <laughs> and so distracting. It really was. Um, the first time it happened, I was like, I was legitimately like checking my phone to see if a video was playing that I wasn't aware of oh or like gosh. Spotify was, I was like, 
no, this. I was like, no, they're not. I muted my TV, and I was like, oh my gosh, oh. they're playing this. It, it's it's insane. Other thing being, um, we've got a rookie in the realm of screenwriting here, Greg Rucka. He's the guy who wrote the comic book. Seems like a smart choice. Um, I would say that based on what I've seen, it's good to have them under the supervision of somebody who has um, done this dog and pony show before because writing a film is very different. We had some rookie mistakes, in my opinion, some lines that were not polished, um, some things that were forced for sure, and some scenes that the dialogue just went on for too long yeah. or didn't really serve any sort of good purpose or add any sort of particular value. And also um, beating the dead horse on some themes that I was just like, okay, we get it. Like yeah. we've talked, especially in that middle section that you're talking about. So those are, those are the, the big ones for me. Yeah. I think they had some like, let's call them DC one liners, you know? It's yeah, like, sure. It's like, Haha, gotcha. Almost, almost as bad as uh, CSI Miami <laughs> with the glasses. You know, at the beginning of the show. <laughs> yes, you're right. You're right. <laughs> Some of the, I remember one was just as bad. One really was just as bad yeah. as that. And I think they could have absolutely cut cut those out. And really, I don't know how Marvel does it because they have some lines like that, but somehow their formula makes it work. They do it in a way that pays homage to the comics without going too far. Yeah. They do it in a way that like it's kind of cute when they when they write it in, right? Like it's kind of endearing. It's you're like, like, oh, look at that. you're like, oh yeah, right. This is a comic book movie. Good job, Marvel. Instead of like someone just like crashed through a window, it's like, hope you get the glass out of your face. Yeah, like, it's just like I don't know. Oh, you know, stuff like that. So stupid. Yeah, I think that's that's tough. Um Okay, let's go to overall thoughts and then score. Yeah, so uh, we both like the story and the structure and the shock factor of this, right? So it's going to be cool. This movie is a tr- is part of a seemingly a trilogy because it's part of a, a bigger series, the, the original comic or graphic novel, whatever. So I think this sets it up nicely. It was like a surprise origin story. Um, let's call it a quadrilogy. Quadrilogy. Is that a, is that a thing? <laughs> Tetrilogy? Because I think the, the comic book is a four-parter. Okay. So they could probably do it in three. I don't know. I've not read it, but I just know that it's in four parts. Here's an original thought. <laughs> <laughs> they do it in, in, in four movies, but like they split the final one between two movies. Yeah, there it the is. Final. <laughs> there it is. The old Harry Potter Twilight Saga yeah. one-two punch. <laughs> I, think, I think that's what, the, what they should do. No one's thought of that before. Uh, <laughs> this really sets it up nicely. It has flaws, but I was engaged the entire time. Um, again, the the stars of, of this film, uh, Charlize Theron, and uh, the other the other big uh, counterpart, uh, Kiki Lane, who did a great job. She's mm-hmm. kind of, kind of a newcomer. It seems like um, they did great. They did most of their stunts together, and you could see that. You know, you there's lots of times you can see when the stunt the stunt doubles take place or how it cuts. You're like, okay, that's the that's the stunt double, but you actually see Charlize and Kiki like flying through the air at each other, and it's like, whoa that's insane so yeah um, lots of effort in here great acting great story gonna go 6.3 on this film okay yeah good call good score um yeah final thoughts i mean uh, i'm left wanting it was Mm -hmm. it's a strong concept a stronger concept i think you texted me after you started the movie and said it's refreshingly different and so i was like "Ooh, okay and it is when when that first um twist or trick or whatever hits you're like all right you know we, we've got something here this is this has big time potential unfortunately for me it just never never reaches it you know it just mm-hmm. never gets there and so i think um 
there were things that I liked about it. There are things that, um, you know, would I watch it again? Probably. I, would I watch the second one? Sure, I will. Um, but I'm, I'm not chomping at the bit for it. So I'm going a little bit lower. I'm at 5.9 out of 10. I just feel like too many mistakes sort of plague this movie. I would have liked to seen it more buttoned up, more polished. Um, don't know if we'll get that in the sequel, which has already been confirmed. But, um, you know, they, they've got something here. They could potentially turn it around. Beautiful. That's it. So that is The Old Guard. Check it out on Netflix. As Kirk and I just said, um, this movie is going to be a series and a franchise. So if you're looking for something like that in your life, uh, check it out. You can obviously read the comics if you want to go all in on it. It's uh, it's very interesting and very different. And we, we, of course, as always, with every review that we do, recommend that you check it out to form your own opinion. So, um, all right. We're going to go with an interesting schoolyard pick. Okay, so in this movie, The Old Guard, um, Charlize Theron's character, Andy, wields this sick circular axe thing. Yeah. Which is just bomb. It's like it's like they took like the chakra of Xeno Warrior Princess and attached it to this long staff that's also kind of sharp. And she just like slays. It's super cool. I mean, there's no other way to describe it. It sounds shallow, but it's just so cool. Yeah. It's just so cool. I mean, as soon as you see it, you're like, oh, yeah, let's go. Uh-huh. Um, so to pay homage to that wonderful, wonderful piece of art that is the circular axe thing, that's the official title of it, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we are going to do a schoolyard pick of signature movie weapons. And this is going to be hotly contested. I can already feel it. Yes. Kirk's looking at me with with fiery intensity of which I've the likes of which I've never seen before. So I'm afraid. I, I am because I think it's your turn to go first. It is. It is. Um, and so for me, don't do it. I'm going to take a, the the only choice in my opinion for first pick. I hate you. It has to be the lightsaber. It has to. Uh. Be. Um, do I even need to say anything? I mean, the lightsaber is the coolest thing. Lightsaber. The sound effects are amazing. Um, they invented this thing in the 70s, the design for it. And can you imagine, like, 1977, you're rolling in, like, do going to see another movie. Oh, what's this, Star Wars? And then it's like, oh, my God. You know what I mean? just blows your mind. The lightsaber has withstood the test of time as the coolest weapon of all. Yeah. No one, no one. And, you know, 40 plus years of creation has come up with something better. Mm-hmm. They cannot. That's it. It's just too cool. They can't even recreate it in real life. And the people, they try. And believe me, they tried. It's so simple, but but also not. Yeah. And the fact that, like, you can customize it with different colors. And some people have double bladed. And Kylo Ren has the one with, like, the two little things that mm-hmm. come out the side. It's just sick. Yeah. It's the best. That's so it. I had to take it. Uh, I hate you. I hate you so much. I mean, and you can't blame me though. It was too. It was just sitting right there for me. Yeah. You know what? I'm just gonna before you steal this one from underneath me as well. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to go with Mjolnir, Thor's oh, super yes. cool hammer. Okay. Point of inquiry. Okay. If you choose Mjolnir, does that mean you also get Stormbreaker? Mm, 
yes, because yeah, I I, I put them so I did put them on my list as Mjolnir slash Stormbreaker. So yeah, that's fair. I, I think they go hand in hand because you have right. to be worthy uh, to hold Thor's hammer. Correct. So this thing, it's it's super cool. You know, you swing this thing around fast enough, you fly. Um, throw this thing, it comes back to you like a boomerang. There's nothing stronger than this thing. It's it's incredible. It defines Thor. Uh, but as we know through the through the Marvel Cinematic Universe, it kind of doesn't. And Thor paves his own way. That's right. Um, but it's it's super iconic. You can't think of Thor without his hammer, and I love it. It is the coolest. It is so cool. Um, in Ragnarok, when Thor gets the ability, when his hammer explodes, yes, and he gets the ability to do the electricity thing, it's really cool. But it's made all the cooler by the hammer mm-hmm. being back. So, yes. Yeah. Um, great. Oh, man. So now those are the two obvious, right? <laughs> those are the two ones that come off the board, one and two, no matter how many times you simulate this. Like yeah. if you were to run it through a computer program, <laughs> every time those things would be in one and one and two. So here's what I think is the obvious number three. It's got to be Captain America's shield. Sure. Yeah, I mean, Captain America's shield is sick. Um, the My favorite cinematic moment with the shield is the opening scene of Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. When he jumps out of the plane or the whatever, the drop ship onto the the aircraft carrier and just starts getting down to business with yeah. that thing. And um, the when he fights that big giant Russian guy and he's like, no shield and he throws it down. I mean, it's just, it's yeah, awesome. Yeah, we, we see so many cool things in that where he like pops it up like a skateboard and then like throws it with his, twirls it with his fingers. I mean, the bouncing it off the ding ding off the wall. Yeah. Um, also in Winter Soldier, when he lands on it, falling yes. out of like the elevator, twenty stories from the elevator, it's just it's so cool. Yeah. And when he puts it on the fr- on the front of his motorcycle, and the helicopter's like g- 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 the coolest. Uh, it's just, I mean, come on. When it breaks in Endgame, he still uses it, and yep. it's still awesome. <laughs> it still so, works. <laughs> I mean, come on now. Oh gosh, that was a great one. That was a fantastic one. Uh, I'm gonna go with. I mean, there's so many superheroes, right? I'm going to go with Batman Beyond's Batarang. Oh. I want to go real specific here because when, in the future, when Terry McGinnis takes on the role of Batman as Batman Beyond, um, Bruce Wayne soups up his suit, man. He, the Batarang not only will like take people out, but it also has different settings. Different ones have different settings. So you can throw one that like electrocutes you. Right. You can throw one that freezes you. You could throw one that it's, it's a bomb. Right. Like there's so many different functions and features. And I, I, I was just blown away as a, as a kid watching this. I was like, this is the coolest thing ever. Brings a tear to my eye, Kirk. It's, you know, <laughs> this is the reason that we're friends. I mean, just such a thoughtful and intelligent choice to Thank not you. just pick the battering like a simpleton, <laughs> <laughs> but to specify the Batman Beyond. I mean, that's just respect. Hashtag respect. That's great. It all comes back to Batman Beyond. Okay, I'm already on number three. Um, and this is where it gets a little tough, to be honest with you. Um, this one's going to sting you, but I'm going to take it. And this this is not personal, but I have to take it. It's uh, it's James Bond's watch, which <laughs> you're seething over there. I can see it. There's actual smoke coming <clears throat> out of your ears right now. <laughs> I mean, over the course of this extremely long 24 film, soon to be 25 film franchise, the watch performs many, many, many functions. I'm going to choose the vague route and leave it open-ended because... Each of those functions is awesome. At one point, it shoots lasers. Uh, you know, it detonates bombs. Mm-hmm. It 
Um, it's a phone sometimes, yep. you know, it, it's all kinds of things. You can actually buy, I think my father-in-law actually did this. You can buy the, the watch that he wears in the early films, the what? Sean Connery one. Um, yeah, it's sick. It's super sick. Like it doesn't do the things that it does in the movie, but it does look like it, which is a pretty awesome flex mm-hmm. if we're being honest. Um, so it's going to be James Bond's watch. I think that it is completed with the fact that James Bond's essence is so cool. That yeah. the watch is just infinitely cooler. It's that whole like subtle awesomeness that makes it so great. The hidden attributes of it make it so excellent. Yeah, I forget which one. This is a uh, this is an a Pierce Brosnan one, I think, one of his later ones, um, where it like serves as like kind of like the batarang where it shoots up, but then it like it has a wire attached yes. to it, and then he like swings down at the, the grapple hook type. The grapple yeah, hook. Yeah. That's what I was looking yeah, for. Yeah, it's very cool. And he just like w- uh, disappears into the crowd with it, and I just like that was so neat. It is great. <laughs> it should have broke his wrist, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it doesn't. Details, details. <laughs> All right, you're on number three. All right, I forgive you. Maybe my number three. Let's go with. This one's this one you you can't think of this movie without this weapon the noisy cricket from Men in Black good one I mean you have all these different giant weapons and Will Smith gets handed the noisy cricket he he gets mad he's he's like so mad at Tommy Lee Jones he you know he just goes on and on about it and then that thing kicks it it, it destroys you know so that thing I used to find like the tiniest water guns for like thirty cents at the at the Walmart and I would be like all right cool I got the noisy cricket and I'd pretend to like blow back as, as I fired it off into my imaginary world. Love it. Love it. Great choice. Um, number four. Mm, I'm going to go with Chewie's Bowcaster. Going to Star Wars Whoa. once again. Che- Chewie's Bowcaster. Um, super cool. First of all, I think the crossbow design is just so aesthetically pleasing. It looks so cool. Mm-hmm. And to then take that design and put it in a world in which it shoots exploding laser cannons from it. Um, it's genius and it's beautiful. And Chewie has it the whole time and he always uses it and it never, ever gets old. It's always cool. Even in, um, it's the force awakens where Han finally uses it, right? They're yes. in that battle scene on Maz Kanata's planet or whatever. And Han picks it up because Chewie gets like, shot in the arm or something, or there's some reason where why Han has to use it, and he's like, boom, and shoots it off, and it blows up a bunch of people, and he's like, man, I gotta get me one of these things. <laughs> it's just so cool. And the novelty of it wasn't still, like, wasn't lost on me then. I was like, oh, man, that thing is so cool, even though I've seen it a thousand million times, so. It's so gotta cool. be the bowcaster. Is this my number four? Your number four. Oh, man, there's not many left. Um, I'm gonna go, I'm also gonna go with the James Bond weapon. Oh, okay. From the Roger Moore classic, The Man with the Golden Gun. Going with the golden gun, Ooh, man. The golden gun. <laughs> Dude, yes. not, not that that movie's like the best or even in the top 10 of the Bond franchise, because it's not. But the fact that you have this golden gun with golden bullets that just, you die, no matter what. No matter where you shot. kill. You're done. You're absolutely done. Like, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it was great. In the GoldenEye game. When you have the oh, golden gun, dude, you it get, was just slick. You do the cheat in Goldeneye when you're in like the cavern levels mm-hmm. and you're going up like up and down these crazy caves. Uh, yeah, it's, it's yeah. Brilliant. Your buddies get the laser guns and they're like super excited about the rapid fire and you're like, <laughs> that's cute. You sneak off into a Pow. private spot. <laughs> you put invincibility you, on yeah. it and with all the left, right, R, down, <laughs> and then you walk up, shoot them once. 
Game over. Boom. Shot me in the toe. You're still dead. <laughs> Sorry about you. Okay, last one. Oh man, I've got. I'm gonna have some good honorable mentions. Pretty much no matter what. <laughs> um. All right, I'll take a sensible route. I'll take a sensible route. I'm going to go with Sting from The Lord of the Rings. This is Frodo's, well, this is Bilbo's and then Frodo's sword. It's an elvish blade that, um, man, I haven't read Lord of the Rings in so long, so the lore is sort of fading from my brain. But basically, it uses orc's blood or something so that anytime an orc is nearby, it lights up blue glows blue and it's it's the only sort of its kind and Bilbo uses it and then um, bequeaths it to Frodo for his adventure to destroy the ring and it's a small short blade it's pretty modest it's perfect size for a hobbit and it's awesome there's so many times where they're like in a dark cave and it like glows blue and you know it's about to go down but it also just helps Frodo who's just a small tiny little guy just kill it just get after it. So, got to go with Sting. It's super cool. It just looks awesome. Lovely. My last one, Dirty Harry's 44. Yep, good one. Clint Eastwood pulls that thing out. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, kid? <laughs> I hope I looked just like him when I made that impression. You did. It was pretty good. Face. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Did uh, I shoot six shots or seven? <laughs> that's, dude, that <laughs> movie is so good. It doesn't get enough credit. Uh, yeah, that's, that's the one that's, I mean, you, you think of dirty Harry, you see him on the cover and yeah, yeah, of course it's beautiful. Yes. Good choice. Good choice. Um, all right. My honorable mentions. I've got four, the winter soldier arm, which is pretty cool. Yes. It's, I don't think it has any other function besides just being super strong and stuff, but it looks sick. Uh-huh. Um, the Tron, the discs from Tron, those blue glowy discs that they throw. Those things are sick. I've just imitated throwing a disc in case you couldn't hear me. Uh, that, was a actually, noise. that was actually uh, Cameron's arm just like squeaking, <laughs> you know, like when you're weenus, like. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's exactly. what it was. Watch your mouth. <laughs> um, the cricket bat from Sean and the Sean of the dead. Have you seen Sean? Of the oh dead? yes. Yes. <laughs> he uses yes. the cricket bat to kill zombies. Love that. And then of course the katana from kill bill. Oh, which beautiful. Is just so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, those are my honorable mentions. Any from you, Kirk? I just have a couple, um, uh, can we do TV? You can do whatever you want. I'm, just, I'm doing whatever I want. Uh, the the machete with the red handle from Ooh. Walking Dead. Yes. Uh, Rick Grimes. I'm um, going to go with Braveheart, William Wallace's sword, that giant iconic sword. And I mentioned it already earlier, uh, Xena Warrior Princess's Chakra, where she mm. goes, Ay-ya! and she throws that thing and it kills like a whole bunch of people. Beast. Lucy Lawless, ladies and gentlemen. All right, good choice. If we left any out, you know what to do. Hit us up on social and put us on blast and be like, how could you guys possibly leave this off? We want to know because I know that there are other cool weapons out there that we missed. And who knows, going forward, maybe the the circular axe thing from the old guard will be, you know, sort of joining the ranks of all of these wonderful weapons that we've called out. All right, that's our show. A um, couple of things to update you guys on before we wrap. So first of all, I mentioned the Black Widow um, video that that I made to kind of talk through what could possibly happen with Yelena Belova. So if you're interested in that story, go check it out. It's about eight minutes long. It's got all the details you need to think through that whole statement. Um, next, we have the 52-week movie challenge, which is well underway. We're five weeks in. Um, just, when was that? Two days ago? Yeah, two days ago, the blog dropped for yes. my review of Kramer versus Kramer. This week is week six. 
um, the challenge is to watch a movie with subtitles. So we're watching the Indian film Bahubali, uh, which is one that's been on my list for a very, very long time. It's a, a big Indian epic. So that'll be really cool. And then um, T-shirts. We've got T-shirts for sale. Kirk's wearing one right now. They are so attractive. I went to the post office the other day to drop off a bunch of shirts for shipping, and I had to run out of there because people were like, wow, you look so attractive. They were making suggestive comments in my direction, <laughs> and it was making me uncomfortable, and I had to go. So that's that's a very true story that happened. Um, so if you want people to tell you how attractive you look, you should get one of these short shirts. Yeah, um, You'd be supporting local business because we worked with Artware, Screen Printing, and Belleville to get them printed. They're really slick. I mean, they're good quality. They're nice. I've worn mine like six times. It's great. It's one of my new favorite shirts. Mm-hmm. And on the back, it's got all of our social information so you can help spread the word of your favorite podcast. You're like our walking billboard. Yeah, and we very much appreciate it. So they're $18. Contact us on social if you want to buy one. We can and have shipped shirts to all kinds of people all over the country. So um, be sure to reach out to us if you want one or two or three or four Ten. or five or however many. Buy the rest of them. Please. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Anything else, Kirk? I have nothing. All right. Then with that, I want to give a special thanks to our executive producer, Ryan Spriggs, and of course to Ryan Spriggs and Brandon Aristed for our fabulous, wonderful, magnificent music we will see you guys sometime soon don't know when 